everyone. Welcome back to the Healthy Christian Project. Today's episode, I am joined by Corey Sharworth. He is the owner of Sharworth Strength. He actually trains full-time at YMCA from Illinois, but he also has his own online coaching business. And Corey and I are in the same mentoring program. And recently, my mentor, Krista Baker, connected me with him because apparently he has an amazing testimony of how he came to find Christ uh, very recently in the past couple of years. Actually, within the pa- basically about a year ago as of last week. So just about a year ago. So really recently. Ago? One year ago. Yeah. All right. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. So I want to hear, take me through your life. What was your life like growing up for the past however many years until last year? Okay, so growing up, I had a stable family, good parents, had a good marriage. They were there for me through everything. Um, But the town I grew up in, there was only two churches. I had a big friend group, and most of my friends didn't go to church. So it wasn't like most small towns where everyone goes to church on Sunday. They go to Bible study. It was actually the opposite. Like, it was never like, hey, why weren't you at church Sunday? Mm -hmm. Or, hey, you missed church. It just wasn't that prominent where I was at. Um, I did go to CCD, which was a Catholic school. And I kind of had a bad taste about church. The church I went to, it was kind of what draws a lot of people away from religion, where it was really pushy. Um, A lot of judgment. A lot of it was instead of like caring about my well being, it was a lot of just like constantly asking about donations. And if I missed one weekend, they'd make you feel bad Mm. about it. Like they made you memorize stuff about religion versus actually trying to learn it and understand it. So after that happened, I shied so away So you did from go it. to church growing up? Yeah, for a couple of years only. So I was a little kid, and when that happened, I did not enjoy it at all. Um, I kind of almost avoided it. It made me feel uncomfortable. And it was one of those things where I got that bad taste, and I thought that was every church was like that. And so mm. when that happened, I stopped and I didn't have religion in my life growing up. Which is really unfortunate because the church is not supposed to paint a picture of we judge everybody else and you're not welcome here unless you do these things, right? It's supposed to be an open and welcoming environment. Yeah. And and what you just said, that's what I wanted it to be. And it felt like the opposite. And so it's one of those things where you almost feel like you're not living up to standards. And I would leave there instead of feeling better about myself, I almost felt worse. And so then I almost just kind of, I was like, this isn't it for me, maybe, you know, I don't need this in my life. And what started to happen was as I got older, I had great friends, they would do anything for me, but I had friends who had a lot of broken homes, a lot of single parents and a lot of drug use by their parents. And so when I was in sixth grade, a lot of my friends started experimenting with marijuana, different um, pills or substances, and they were heavily Did did you say sixth grade? Yes. I I thought that was normal, which is crazy now that I'm older and I realize because I look at a sixth grader now and I'm like, that would never happen. And, but it was sixth grade. There was, I had a group of friends I was very close to and they were all experiencing experimenting with different substances. And I think a lot of it was they didn't know any better with their home life. Um, Because of that, I was around that a lot. I didn't experience any substance abuse, except I guess technically when I got into high school, I started to drink. 
And I have anxiety, um, OCD I've been diagnosed with, and I did have depression. And so I used alcohol to cope with it. And I would hmm, feel... I'm sure that worked very well. Yeah, it only, only during the moment when I was drinking. And then afterwards, I felt worse. And so then what did I do? I wanted to drink more often because I'm like, okay, when I drink, I feel fine. And so I started to abuse alcohol. And instead of having God in my life, to me, it was like, hey, I'm not anxious or depressed when I drink, which does the opposite, which mm. does cause me to be depressed. But I did that for years. Um, when I went to college, I almost got kicked out of school because I had four drinking tickets. I was struggling in classes. I was always really smart, but I liked to drink too much. And um, it made my anxiety worse. And over time, I realized that I needed to make a change. And so that's where the faith comes into the picture. Got it. So <clears throat> you kind of went down a really, really rough spiral with alcohol because of, I guess, OCD, anxiety, depression, all the mental health disorders. You were kind of tricked into thinking that alcohol is going to solve your problems. Yes. So what happened was with those friends I hung out with, since they started at such an, such an early age, I would get teased. You know, the Sharworths never drink or they're no fun. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But when I got into high school and they were all still doing it, at my high school, you were cool if you partied. And so I'm around all these friends. I'm trying to fit in like most kids. And so I go and have my first drink. And then people who didn't talk to me start to talk to you. Hey, we saw you at this party kind of thing. Of course. And so, like most kids, I wanted to be cool. I always wanted to fit in. Um, and then I loved the way I felt. I realized, I was like, when I drink, I'm not anxious. You would go talk to that girl you were afraid to when you were sober. Um, I wouldn't worry about my exam next week. I wasn't worried what my friends thought of me. All those little things that would keep me up at night, didn't. And so I constantly wanted that feeling, and alcohol <clears throat> gave me that. Got it. So how far down the spiral did you go into the alcohol realm into into drinking into using abusing alcohol how far down did you get so the worst period i was drinking four nights a week i was finishing a 30 rack of beer each night that i would drink um instead of getting drunk i would black out so me and some of my friends when people would say hey you know i felt tipsy last night or drunk i would drink to where i wouldn't remember the night and I thought that was normal. I would just keep drinking and drinking wow. like it was a race. And the next day I'd wake up and I'd either have to apologize to friends, look for my keys, um, be embarrassed and try and retrace the night, which was the worst feeling. I would be like, what did I do last night? I hope I didn't hurt anyone I'm close to or that I care about. And it just got to a point where I wasn't drinking for fun anymore. I was drinking out of like necessity. And I wasn't even knowing what my actions were while I was drinking. Wow. Drinking out of necessity. That's that hits hard. So I want to know, was that the low point? Was that the turning point in your life? Or did you just get lower from there? I would say that was probably the lowest point. It's actually kind of funny because it was fitness and faith that helped me change. So I always loved sports, loved exercise. And I was in kinesiology at school and I would work out six days a week, but I was drinking all of my progress away. And so I finally realized, you know, something has to give or something has to go. And so I started 
to finally slow down. It would have been my senior year at college. Um, I was dating a girl. I was still working out, but I, I saw a picture on Facebook. You know, when we see pictures, how we can actually see what we don't see in person. <laughs> ah, the pop-ups, the memories. Yep. And I was that I was becoming that skinny fat. Like I was skinny, but I had a beer belly growing. And I was like, what is going on? I work out all the time. I eat right. And I realized a lot of it had to do with the drinking. And so I started to finally slow down the nights I went out. And instead, I would go to the gym on campus in the evenings instead of going out. And it kind of prevented me from drinking as much. But I still had the anxiety. So, okay. So that's still where... The anxiety. Still had the depression OCD? Yes. So I was in great shape once I stopped the drinking as much. And the gym became kind of like a, a different passion than partying. However, it didn't help with the mental issues I was dealing with. Like it, it, it felt, it filled a void, but then it helped with the mental issues. So what was the turning point? What was that experience that finally led you to accept Christ, to accept Jesus into your life? So there's a couple of things. Um, so when I was in college, I had a girlfriend, we dated about five years. We moved in together. We were engaged and we found out we were not compatible and we both would have, it would have not been right for us to get married. Just like for both of us, we would have been unhappy in the long run. I think we kind of just stayed together because we were together for so long, but we both grew apart. And so we call off the wedding with a month to go. And when we call it off, a lot of people, they start to go back to, I'm going to go drink. I'm going to go hook up with a bunch of people, stuff like that. I was like, I'm not doing that. And so I told myself I would spend a year without dating. And I was like, I'm going to focus on my health. I'm going to focus on mental, physical. And I actually came into spiritual. So I was like, how can I become stronger from this? I don't want to go back to my alcohol days because I was afraid I'd start abusing alcohol again to kind of fill that void that I had with my ex. And um, what had happened was I was meeting with a friend for coffee and She's very strong in her faith and she starts talking to me about it. And she goes, Corey, she goes, do you think you're going to go to heaven? And I looked at her and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm, I'm nice to everybody. I love people and helping them. And she starts uh, smiling. The and good like, person fallacy. Yes. And I didn't know that was a fallacy. And she looked at me and she goes, Corey, she's like, have you ever heard that good people don't go to heaven? Godly people do. And I was like, I was speechless. I was like, what are you talking about? And, um, she sent me a podcast. It was called The Porch. And the other one was The Belonging. Porch. Never heard of it. It's pretty good. I like it a lot. The guy relates a lot of it to everyday life. It was easy for me to understand, especially without that faith background. Um, and the episode was literally called Good People Don't Go to Heaven, Godly People Do. And so I listened to this 40-minute <laughs> episode. And what he's talking about starts to make sense to me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I, like, misunderstood this this long in my life, like, I thought, you know, I'm nice to everyone that I can be. And it it was it was kind of like a wake-up call. You did your good deed of the day. Yeah. Mm. And then what happened was I started to like the guy. I liked listening to him. So I kept following his sermons. He will post them on the podcast. Um, Are you familiar with Tim Tebow? 
I've heard of him. I don't think I've uh, watched much of his stuff, but I've heard of the name. So I'm a huge sports guy. Everyone who knows me knows I love sports and love football. Um, he played quarterback. Maybe I haven't heard and, of him. And yeah, he, he was in the NFL for a little bit. He played for the Gators, but he, he does a lot of um, good volunteer work and missionary work. He's a big Christian. And so he uh, he uses his platform. He used to get made fun of by the media and people a lot because he always brings up God. And you know how that goes. Everyone mm -hmm. kind of made fun of him for it instead of being like, hey, this is of a good course. guy who's trying to spread the word. Um, but he wrote a couple books and I love to read and I love sports. So I started reading his books and it really kind of um, opened up my eyes to how you can influence people. And to use your own skill set that God gives you to help spread his word. Of course. And so I started reading more of his books. Got it. So, so his books have actually opened your eyes up a little bit to faith, to fitness, can I say? Yeah, yeah. I Because he, he is an athlete, and so I like fitness and sports books. Fitness and sports. So do you feel like there's a connection between fitness, faith, sports, stuff like that? Yeah, because, and I think what happens is with sports, you have a leader, you have a coach, you have teammates, all from different backgrounds, all different home lives, different, I mean, you're all going to, towards one goal and you work together for that and you put aside your differences and you become close, like in like a friendship and I think when you take that, if you take those individuals with all their different skill sets and they all have a message and they all try to use their skill set to spread the word, then you can take faith and you can basically try and spread, God, spread God's word to more people and you're stronger together as a unity and you can make more of like a positive impact together if that is the common that goal is between them. super interesting. <clears throat> That's actually really, really interesting because the way you explained it, you know, there's the leader, there's the coach, and then there's people and they're all working together for a common goal. I actually see that as a symbol of the church as well, right? You got a leader, you got uh, all these people and they're all working together towards the common goal of bringing people to Christ. Yeah. And it's community. It's, it's, it literally is. It's, it's, you're with those people in the church through the highs and lows of their life. And in sports, especially professional sports, you're with those guys, most of them, their whole career. So you see if someone in their family passes, you, you see them in their highs when they become a parent, maybe when they go through divorce, when someone close to them is going through suffering or if they have any mental issues, you're there for them. And so it's very similar in that way. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of, you talked about <clears throat> going through suffering and stuff like that. So how did your relationship or your newfound, like your newfound relationship with Jesus affect your mental health, affect your life in the past year? So it's, I, when I tell people this, I'm like, I promise I'm not trying to sell you some, some load of crap. Like I'm, this actually happened. I started to, I had a client of mine and they told me, I was telling him how I like felt awkward when I pray. I feel like I'm doing it wrong. 
I overthink it and I don't know when to do it. My day gets by and I'm just like, wow, I didn't take time to pray. And so with training, you know this, you get up at 4 a.m. and you're driving to work. The roads are empty. It's dark outside. They said, Corey, pray when you're in your car. And so instead of the radio on the way to work, when I can think clearly, I pray to God about the day ahead of me. And I swear it just makes every day better. It's like almost like I get like a bolt, like a bolt of energy mm. or adrenaline. And I do think more clearly. And what I started to notice was I used to have trouble sleeping for years. I would stay up all night, almost insomnia. And I don't anymore because I talk to God throughout the day. I'll read my devotionals. And I swear it just clears my mind to where I'm like, God's got this. I'm here for a purpose. And it just gave me for years. And I think my whole childhood, I was looking for purpose. And now I feel like I have an wow. actual purpose. And it just changed dramatically the anxiety. I don't take any anxiety medication anymore. I don't go to counseling anymore. Um, my OCD is still a work in progress. I'm working on that. But the depression and anxiety are completely gone. You know what? I have an OCD story as well. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen any of my stuff, but I've also struggled and had to go to therapy for OCD because mine got really bad. Um, and I feel like the only thing or the only person that actually helped me was Jesus and was that relationship because there's a verse in Philippians that says cast, uh, it, pray to him. Well, let me think of it. Um, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Meaning when you're anxious, when you have all these ridiculous thoughts, in, intrusive thoughts, whatever it is, you cast those onto Jesus and it won't make any sense, but you'll have peace. And it won't yeah. make any sense despite the circumstances, despite what you're thinking, how you're feeling, you're going to have perfect peace. Well, it's kind of like to me, if you think about it, when we're kids, a lot of times, I know for me, at least I was a huge mama's boy. I was attached to her hip and I felt safe with her. I trusted her with anything. You know, you're crying and then the minute they hug you and they hold you, you're fine. That's what it's like now as an adult. It's like, I trust. I'm like, God's got this. And instead of saying, why me? God's I used to this. be. Yeah. And I used to be like one of those people, like almost like the victim mindset. I'm like, why me? Why am I going through this? Now I look at it completely different. I say, why not me? Like this is, this is meant to make me stronger. Maybe I need to change my life. And God put this into my life so I could grow. And he forced me to have to change because that's the only way we change. So a lot of times our circumstances, I think were meant to happen and we can become better and carry out more of what he wanted for our lives because of them. Exactly, exactly. And you know what you also mentioned? With training, it can get tricky. Um, doing your morning devotionals and stuff like that, because you're waking up at 4, you got to go to work. But no matter what, I, I used to have those 5 a.m. shifts and work quite a long time um, and not have much breaks between each one. I'd have like maybe 10, 15 minutes between each class, between each client. But I would always wake up a little bit earlier just to spend that extra time with God. Like for me, it was non-negotiable. I have to spend my morning reading the Bible and praying before I go to work, even if that means I get up at 345. Well, it's probably game changing for you and it probably made your day better. And and you're right because you have minimal it rest. Did. It's clients back to back to back. And think I know you know this because you're in the, you're in the same career. 
we're constantly helping others nonstop. You're engaging physically, mentally. When you're not at work, you're answering questions, answering calls, emails from clients. Your your whole day, you're using all your energy to help others, which is awesome. But then we don't focus on our own mental, physical, or spiritual health a lot of time. It kind of gets away from us. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you uh, if you've heard of this practice, but there's an ascetic practice. Um, it's it's kind of like many prayers in a way. So imagine you read a verse in the psalm. Uh, it says, the Lord is my rock and my refuge, a very present help in trouble. Now, if you memorize just that line right there, it takes you, what, five, ten seconds to say. But if you, in between clients or even in between sets or whatever it is, you think of that verse and you pray that verse, how much time throughout your day have you accumulated in prayer without actually having time to pray? right? If every time you get up to a a stoplight that's turned red and you're like, the Lord is my rock, my refuge, a very present help in trouble. And then you go, you just spent 10 seconds praying where you wouldn't have done that before. Yeah. And when you do that too, it changes your mindset for the day. Like if you have something bad happen during the day or something's going on, I'm sure that changes your mindset doing that. And it's not hard to do. Exactly. We, We check our phones all the time. Right. Right. Um, so so, okay, your relationship with Jesus, it would you say it cured you of your anxiety and depression? I think so. I wholeheartedly think so because when I when I really took fitness serious, that helped a lot with the alcohol. But I was still anxious, I was still depressed, and I still didn't have purpose. Now, with Jesus, I feel like I have purpose, and it helps me get through my day. It helps me be excited for the future. It makes me feel like I want to do more work and perfect a craft because I feel like he gave me a skill set similar to what yours has to be because of the field we're in. We have that ability to touch so many lives on a day-to-day basis. And Mm -hmm. I think that if we are followers of Christ, we can help so many people that are going through, for instance, maybe the depression, the alcohol, anxiety, substance abuse, bad home lives, whatever they're going through. If we can be that positive role model and show them and encourage them to follow Christ too, then it can change their lives and who knows what can happen for them. Exactly. So I want to know in this past year, it's been almost almost a year or a little bit over a year. Um, Basically, what a, has a, been exactly one of the most... Exactly a year. Okay. What has been one of the most difficult times that you've been through this year that you've really felt... Christ. I would say for me in the past year, the most difficult thing has really been, honestly, I've had everything good with my family and friends lately. The hardest thing has been figuring out what I'm going to do career-wise with my future. Um, I'm very big into reading. I read faith-based books. I read self-help and development books. And then I read a lot of books on um, athletes. And so a lot of them talk about you can do anything you put your mind to. But then I'm reading a lot of faith-based books too. And they're like, you know, it's been hard for me to realize that I need to keep talking to God and pray to God. And maybe he will steer me in a completely different direction of the path I'm in right now versus being that person who's like, I'm just going to chase the money. I want to make as much money as I can get. Mm. Maybe as much. um, we, We like to be recognized, to be known, and to actually put those worldly views aside. And to sit back 
and realize, hey, God's got this. So like this pro the mentorship program that we're both in together for me to do that in the past, I would have never taken that leap. I would have justified every reason not to do it. And I would sit there and pray. And I'm just like, you know what? Nothing's going to come to me if I don't take a chance and take a risk. And at the very least, I'll learn from it. And so what I've been doing lately a lot is I just keep talking to God. I keep praying and I keep realizing that it's not a failure or a risk if I feel like he's gearing me towards that direction. And so for me, honestly, mm. starting the online business probably was the most nerve wracking thing in the past year and the hardest thing just because of the time, the commitment and the money I invested that I don't really have, but I found a way and I felt like he helped me do that. Right. Okay. Two things to say based off that. First, um, I was in a very similar boat where I was terrified of actually joining the mentorship. And I'm like, man, is this really what I want? How I like, this is a commitment. This is a lot yeah. of money and I'm committing that money. That means I'm committing my life and I'm, I'm risking it all. But I want to give a big shout out to Krista because one of the biggest sources of peace is the fact that Krista didn't just help me with my business but she also like would send me bible verses and stuff like that and and would remind me that even when you're in a low period in your business that's God smoothing you out that's God helping you and helping you see his grace in the low period right it says his power is made perfect in your weakness so big shout out to Krista oh she's awesome She's a great mentor, a great coach, and you feel like you could go to her with anything. She's not going to judge you. She has that faith background and strong mm-hmm. faith base, and I, she definitely she's helped me a lot along the way. And now that I think about it with what you just said, um, so I guess the roughest part is this. I uh, When I got into the program, one day I went to go get gas at a gas station this past year. I forgot this happened. I keep putting my card in and it says decline. And I'm like, what declined? What's going on? I was actually completely out of funds and I never had that happen to me. And it made me feel like a failure. It was the worst phone call I've ever made to my parents. And I was just like, how did this happen? I made a couple bad investments trying to grow in my career. And I just wasn't paying attention to my finances. But instead of freaking out, I kept praying. And after this happened, I remember this vividly i was at work training clients in person and i was on a break and i was like you know something needs to change and i was praying and i kept asking what 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 do i need to do and i got that email you know jonathan goodman sends that mass email about his mentorship that came out that day and i literally thought i was like this is a message that's when i actually signed up and so i didn't have the funds but i was like i can make this work on a month-to-month basis And I'm going to take a shot because I thought it was kind of like a sign that that day he sent that email and I'm like, what do I do? What direction do I go? And so that definitely was the low point where I think my faith was tested and then it felt like it kind of came through to do this. Wow. Wow. You went through a really difficult financial period then. That's amazing. Um, That, you know what? Ultimately, I was reading this verse yesterday and I think it applies here. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, meaning everything here belongs to God and he can use everything and whatever he wants to supply you with everything that you need according to his riches and glory. So even in those low points, and this is something I struggle with because I've been going through my own little uh, <sighs> my own little valleys and stuff, but even in those low points, he will give you all you need according to your to his riches and glory. Um 
Point number two was what you mentioned earlier that you like reading. You like reading a lot of self-help books and a lot of faith books. <clears throat> so me too. I love that kind of stuff. I want to know how do you respond when they kind of contradict each other? Like the self-help book will tell you, rely on yourself, do your own thing. You got this. You can put do whatever you want to. And then the faith book will tell you, you can't do anything without God. So for me personally, I've noticed it a lot. And what I try to do is I try to sit back and I go, okay, first, the self-help book. Is this meant to just sell books for profit or is this meant to actually help people? Because you get a lot. Of, we know this in the fitness industry. You get a lot of scammers. And so, so I'm trying a lot of times I'll, I'll think, is this author a godly person that wants to help people? Or are they someone that's just trying to say what they know that consumers will pay for and make more sales and more money off of us? Now, if they are not a godly person, but they are they seem like a good person and they just believe that. I try to take it with a grain of salt because I was in that position for years. Um, if mm-hmm. with the faith-based books, though, I'm just completely sold on it because of what's happened to me. And so I tend to put more into that. And so if I take something from a self-help book that like talks about taking risks and stuff, I just make sure that I put the faith above that. So I'll pray to God and try and maybe almost twist or modify what the self-help book said based on what I get out of my prayer. And my talks with God, because with that, I don't want to twist. But the self-help, I'm like, I can modify what they're saying a little bit or see what they're saying. And then I just see what I get out of it with the faith part. Got it. So I, I've had this uh, this one pop up. I just thought of it recently. I was reading a book and it was talking about, you know, delegating tasks to other people that work for you and that you shouldn't have to do the menial tasks in your in your business. You should be able to delegate that. Like you're above that. You have more important things to do. And then you read a faith book and it tells you the greatest, what Jesus' words are, the greatest among you is the servant, the one who serves the others. It's almost like two co- completely contradicting uh, information. And obviously... I want to follow Jesus and follow what he said and serve others. But then like, I'm like, do they have a point? Is that a good idea? Yeah, it's, it's tricky. And, and I know, you know, this because you're definitely a man of faith. That's why you reached out and got me to hop on this call. I, um, I think something for me with what you just said too, with that faith book, the servant part, I think that's really hard to do on a day-to-day basis unless we are faith-based because right now with cell phones, smartphones, technology, and people's work schedules, we're so constantly busy and stressed and onto the next thing that unless we have a faith base and we actually genuinely think about going and helping others and doing small daily kind acts like Jesus would do for us, we won't do it. We, and it's not that we're bad people if we don't do it, but we don't think about it. It's just so much goes on in a day that we need that to push us. Mm-hmm. All right. Last question for you. I want to know, how has this past year changed your work? Or in other words, you found Christ. Has it, like you mentioned your career, just making a complete change, investing in OTM and and starting online coaching. How would you say that you mix your faith and your work together? So it's changed my work tremendously without even first initially mixing it, just based on the anxiety being gone. Um, I'm taking more risks in my career. 
I used to worry about posting stuff. You know how we always have to post content for online training. I cared way too much. Mm-hmm. I was selfishly caring about what others would think of me. And I realized it's not about me anymore. And so I take more risks. I'm trying to grow and help as many people as I can versus in the past. I would have just been completely content with the in-person training. Um, how it's helped with the faith going into work. I train a lot of young kids also now. And I see myself in them kind of like when I had those friends who were good friends, but bad influences because of their home life. And I know that they come across that a lot and the peer pressure. And so I try to encourage more of a faith based in their lives. And I talk to them about God and I'll try and pray for them or with them if they let me. And I just try to be a positive role model and influence on them because I realize how much you impact them. And then another way is actually I have a couple really good clients in a small group that have been wanting me to find Christ for a while now. They're very faith-based. And something I really enjoy is every day after my small group, they uh, get out a prayer card and we all pray together. And if anyone's having problems, we pray together. And so Uh I love that because in the middle of the workday, you get to do that. And I just think that's awesome. I love that idea. That's actually such a good idea, especially if you have that group there. Because really fitness, fitness and faith are both should at least both be built on that community aspect, right? As much as your faith is a relationship with God, it's also a relationship with others. As much as your fitness is healthy living, healthy living involves that social aspect as well. You're not just a a lone creature. You have people like you. So the fact that you're connecting those two and then on top of that, adding prayer I love adding prayer before a workout and I do that for all my clients as well. I will give them a devotional before their workouts and just read, spend five minutes, read and pray because it really does help you. I have one client. This is an amazing, I I love sharing this. Um, She was having a lot of trouble eating healthy, like a lot of trouble just, just eating more vegetables and eating healthy. But she loved the processed foods. She loves fries, loves burgers, stuff like that. Like, who doesn't? Obviously, yeah. I love yeah. that stuff. Yeah, too. don't we all? But, <laughs> but what would happen is we came up with this idea based on something she told me. She said, um, I prayed the other day and I asked God, like, just help me eat healthy today. And then she she was like, It was so much easier to eat healthy that day. I'm like, oh, okay. So I want to know why. And she said, well, when I when I prayed to God, I realized that these vegetables, they're not just, just disgusting, like they don't taste good food that I have to eat. Rather, they're grown and they're made by God and processed by God, whereas the French fries I'm eating are processed by man. And I'm like, that is so interesting. How about you try praying before each day to eat healthy? And she has seen so much more success with her healthy eating. I think that's incredible. And that just speaks for itself how much God can do for you and the changes that can be made. That's unbelievable. Right, right. I think like a lot of people are skeptical um, because like my page, I try to connect the faith and the fitness. And a lot of people are skeptical, but you have these people who their lives are truly changed, who are now finally able to start taking care of themselves and finally able to start living healthier lives. And it's not by their own strength. It's literally by God's strength. Well, it's like if you watch any sport, most of the time, the first thing a champion says when they win an MVP of a game, it's always, I like to thank my Lord and my savior all the time. 
And you could tell they truly mean it. Like they know that they want to be there without him. And I think that's awesome because they know that they mm-hmm. had that journey that they went through to get there. And they always thank him first before they thank anyone else. And I'd love to see that. And I was talking about this on a, on a earlier podcast. You have to. You have to have that gift of it, it's it's everything we have is such a gift the ability to walk the ability to breathe the ability to to lift heavy weights like that's an amazing gift if you're not grateful for that before you start doing it you're missing out on such an opportunity yeah you're right it changes your whole perspective with it mhm so what would you recommend to anyone listening to this podcast what would you recommend that they go out and do if they were in a position that you were in one year ago? I would say to anyone who is, who is struggling, going through something difficult, you need a positive support group and you need positive and healthy habits. But even with those, it's not enough. So for me, that wasn't enough. I had good friends. I worked out. I took care of my body, but I didn't take care of my spiritual health. And that is an aspect of health. If you look up health, that's one of the major aspects. And what you just said earlier about like being grateful to be able to move, like just think what you're able to do every day and think why that is. And that's from God. And so if you allow God in your life, it will change your life. I have, I know you probably hear this too. I have so many clients and friends who are great people with potential and they're unhappy with their lives because they clock in, clock out, they make enough money to do what they enjoy and take care of their family, but they're not actually carrying out a purpose, their purpose from God. And if they would, I think their lives would be dramatically changed and people in their lives. So it's just find your purpose through God and try and find God. And it just gives you a life worth living. Right. And I love how you keep mentioning purpose because we underestimate how important that is. Think about think about it like this. Let's put it in practical terms. If you're going to the gym, but you have no purpose, you have no plan, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to do anything. You're not going to achieve anything. But as soon as you go with that purpose, like I know what I want, I know what I'm called to do, I know what I'm going to achieve. Now you have a plan, now you have somewhere to work towards, and now you're actually going to achieve something. Same thing with our lives. But I genuinely believe the only thing that gives true purpose is God and is his plan for our lives. Well, and even like you and me, let's take us for example. It sounds like without God, we both have, would have not found this mentorship. And then think how many lives we're touching right. through our online training because of that. And then we met each other from it and Krista. And it's like, it's it's crazy how it works, but he puts people into your lives and he, he places certain situations where we can take advantage of them and actually carry out what we're meant to be here for. Right, exactly, exactly. So the point of... The story is Romans 8.28. God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Even if it's the most random thing, even if it's a really difficult trial, even if it's alcoholism or an addiction or a broken relationship or no funds in your bank account, literally anything, God will make that work for your good because you love him and are called according to his purpose and because he's awesome yeah yeah it's you're right it's it's you can have almost nothing but you have everything and you'll be happy because you'll be having a different focus and purpose right right there's two sides of that spectrum there's the person who has 
absolutely nothing, but they have God and there's joy. And then there's the person who has every material thing, but doesn't have God and they're not satisfied with anything. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, I'm super, super thankful that you were able to join us today. Um, This was really exciting. And I hope that those listening found some value. Do you have any, uh, any closing words for us or shall we call it there? Um, I don't really have closing words, but I really appreciate this. I appreciate you reaching out to me. I think what you're doing is great work. I think we need more people in the industry like you and just keep doing what you're doing because you're going to touch a lot of people's lives with this. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. You're absolutely awesome. And for those who uh, want to start working with Corey as well, he has, what's your, what's, do you have a website? I don't have a website right now. I just use my um, Facebook and Instagram. I need to work on the website part. <laughs> it's so yeah, much right work. Now you know, I've been working on my website and it's just, it's nonstop. Like every time you do something, you have to update your website. It's, I, you will I always, it's, it's always a work in progress. <laughs> yes, yes. Nice. Anyways, I appreciate you joining. And for those who are currently on the podcast listening, you're awesome. Join us next time. Hey, thanks, Eli. <laughs>